With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yay Networks. Welcome to Courtney Beyond the Cake. Stories that inspire, uplift, and fill your soul with joy, much like cake. Her name graces the aisles of high-end department stores, the pages of magazines, and even on many of your favorite celebrities in the form of clothing and accessories. You'll likely recognize the name Rebecca Minkoff from her line of modern, sophisticated purses and bags, or maybe from her classic feminine dresses and clothing she successfully puts together season after season. Rebecca Minkoff is a globally known brand in the fashion world, and Rebecca, designer and founder of the brand, is the powerhouse woman who took the success of a single t-shirt she designed many years ago and turned it into a hugely successful business. Today on Courtney Beyond the Cake, Rebecca shares with us the risks she took to start her brand, why getting fired from her first job was one of the best things that ever happened to her, how facing our fears gives us strength, and her rules for unlocking creativity, courage, and success. Welcome back to Courtney Beyond the Cake, friends. I am so excited to just introduce you to a fashion icon, someone that I have just looked up to and admired, not just her her style and all of her um, accessories and bags and clothing, but this woman herself, Rebecca Minkoff. Welcome. So I'm just so excited to have you here. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Well, you have so much going on. You have an incredible business and you just launched a book, Fearless, New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Congratulations. That's huge. It's huge. It was more painful than actually giving birth to a baby. (laughs) I believe it. Having just finished up writing my own book, it is a ton of work, but the, the book looks incredible. Thank you. I think my goal with it was as I reflected back on, I can't believe I'm saying this, 20 years of being in the fashion industry, I just had so many learnings and failures and things that I thought could be helpful to those who are starting in their careers or they're an entrepreneur and want to stay that way, just just to avoid like some big old minefields, you know, yeah. and then know, know also when you're walking in one, what are the sort of the stable things that you can do to succeed? I love it. I love that the book is really just all your tips and you are helping women find their own success and navigate the industry of entrepreneurship or whatever they may do. And I think it can, so many of these rules that you have, and we'll talk about them in a little bit, can apply to so many aspects of our life, whether we're in business or not. For sure. I think I definitely go into the book with personal stuff. Uh, If you're working with family, you know, things to just keep in mind. So you're not going to finish the book and say, oh, I'm fearless. You're you're just going to be fearful and do what you're going to do anyways, because you have, you know, you have your parachute. Yeah. And I feel like you give like a few more tools for our toolkit that, you know, when we're got the knowledge, we have a little bit more and you know, fails are a good thing. Failure is a good thing. You, you talk about getting comfortable with it. Before we talk about the book though, I'd love to go back to your beginning and hear about how you got into fashion and launched your business in 2005. 
Yeah. So I've been um, in love with the idea of sewing and design when I got the bug. I was about eight years old. I wanted to get a dress. I thought it'd be a simple transaction. My mom would just purchase it for me. And she said, no way, Jose, but uh, I'll teach you how to sew. So um, I didn't like hearing that, but when she did, and I had the power literally in my hands to create something out of nothing, I became obsessed and hooked. And so followed that passion very seriously through high school at a performing arts high school. Um, and when it came time, when all my peers were looking at colleges, I was just like, I got to get to work. I got to move to New York city. You know, for Hanukkah, my parents raised us very, uh, they were very thrifty people. So we could get like one gift for Hanukkah and I would get a magazine subscription. That was like the big splurge. And I just was fantasizing about New York and felt like that was the hub. And I had to get there from all my fantasy readings of these magazines. And so I, I moved to New York when I was 18 um, with a paid internship that my my brother had been a designer. And uh, my interview process was literally like, when can you be here? And how old are you? <laughs> and so that was, you know, the beginning. And I worked for him for about three years and then decided through a series of unfortunate events that I should start my own company uh, once they fired me. So talk to me about those first three years though. I mean, I, I know you were like grinding, weren't you, didn't you, is that when you had the t-shirt that ended up on the celebrity that ended up on TV? Was that the moment or was it after that first job? So it was right as I was being fired, that t-shirt was on the celebrity and, and okay. the CEO and I are still very close and she, you know, the company's sadly no longer around, but she said, you're fired, go do it. I can see you love what you're doing so much that you'd rather do that. And I either need you hundred percent with me or you need to go do it. And I was like, but wait, uh, can't we relook at this? And she's like, no, make your decision. But I think I know what it's going to be. Well, I'm making it for you basically. Wow. How did that feel in the moment? Terrifying, terrifying. Yeah. I was already, you know, I think minimum wage then was like $4 and 25 cents. So I was making that which does not get you very far in New York city. Mm -hmm. Um, and then to have that fall out from under me as I'm only making $40 a t-shirt is a little scary. Yeah. Yeah. How did you start transitioning to do your own thing while you were working for someone else? And your hours were probably crazy. And like you said, I mean, you had to probably put every penny into just living in New York city at that point. What was it like? And how did that work? The process of, of getting that first t-shirt started? Yeah. So I had a little five piece collection. I had some bat mitzvah savings that I used to do the collection and design it. The shirt obviously was something I bought off the street and customized and, and made my own. And ironically, with all the money I spent coming up with these concepts of the collection, the, sh the you know, the shirt is what took off. Um, and it was in magazines week after week after week after the celebrity ward on TV and one little website called Raven style, which again, no longer around because it's been 20 years. Um, and, uh, you know, she would sell it and I'd be like, all right, I need a, an advance. You know, I need $300. I'll go make you $300 of the shirts. And then we'll, we'll just keep doing this. So she would advance me the money sort of to make the shirts I'd go make them and give them to her. And so that's how I was living was literally on this one woman's advances. Okay. So what after, what happened after that? You've got this shirt. It's, it's at the time, I guess you wouldn't say viral, but it was getting popular and people were seeing it all over the place. How did you grow your business from there? Very slowly. Um, 
I think what, what that notoriety did is it wasn't an overnight success as people like to write about. It just kept the phone from being hung up on. I could call a store or I could walk into a store and they would say, I think I've heard of you. I'm not sure where, but sure, I'll take a meeting. Um, and so I, with that, I would show them the rest of the collection. And then I was able to meet some people who wanted to represent and sell the apparel. So then they started selling it for me. So I didn't have to. And then I just started taking orders that way and getting into boutiques. And so at the height, it was maybe, maybe a $250,000 a year business, mm. but let's just do the math. If you're lucky, it's 10% profit. Uh, if you're lucky and I was terrible at math, so it wasn't a 10% profit. So you can't really live on that. So I was living on a credit card that my dad was not giving me the money. He had just co-signed that he was good for the money if I could never pay it. And I honestly had no idea how I was going to pay it. So that's, that was the financial situation. Wow. That's tough. I mean, did you ever think that this wasn't going to work out or did you always say I will make it work out no matter what? I had so many moments and just for anyone listening, who's an entrepreneur still have those moments of, will it work out? Um, mm. it, it's a different level of, will it work out now? But back then I was like, gosh, I see so many people that are successful around me. Why isn't this happening to me? I'm working like a dog. I'm not making any money. I'm going into debt. I have to have side hustles. And so I just knew that I, I wouldn't give up until I had exhausted all odds. Yeah. Yeah. Really resilient and scrappy those first several years. I mean, cause then it was another couple years before you even designed your first handbag, which so many people know and love you for. Yeah, it was four years. Um, I had been toying with adding an accessory and Jenna, the same woman who wore the shirt was like, I need a bag. And I lied to her and I said, I make bags. <laughs> um, and then I made one, I manifested what I lied about and she wore it. Uh, she did not wear it. Sorry. Um, it, it didn't end up getting worn in the movie, but I was wearing it around town and enough women stopped me that I was like, there's something great about this. Maybe I should add it to the collection. And ironically, that's what really launched the brand today. And so the amount of, you know, daily candy, which was this incredible back when email was new and exciting, oh, yeah. you were, you looked forward to your inbox. Daily I love candy. the daily candy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it was in daily candy and the, that is a much better example of overnight success that would catapult brands into just the stratosphere. Mm. And so the inbound from that was enough that I, you know, I called my dad. I was like, all right, I'm the real deal. Now I have <laughs> orders that I can't fulfill and it's a lot of money. And he's like, no way, Jose, I'm done with you, but your brother <laughs> might fund this company. So that's what that's what happened. And he, you know, the first advance of cash was $2,000 and then it was five and then it was 10 and the numbers really started to grow. And that's when he's like, all right, let's legitimize this thing. Um, and, and make it a real business. And you teamed up with your brother. I teamed up with my brother. That's amazing. And has you been working with him the entire time since then? Yeah, he's the CEO. So we've been working together for about, well, now 16 years. How has that been working with family? You hear mixed reviews, depending on which entrepreneur you talk to, a yay or a nay situation, how do you make that work? I think the key is communication. I think it's putting your needs and wants uh, up front mm -hmm. and knowing that because it's personal, and I say this not because it's been smooth, it's been anything but smooth. So yeah. it's my lessons that I've taken away from it. Um, of, of when it's personal, whether it's your 
lover or your sibling, Mm -hmm. there's places you know you can go that will just take you so off of a business relationship into, you know, the things, you know, really hurt that person. Yeah. And so it's really important, um, that you avoid that and know how the other one wants to be treated. And we see a couple's, a business couple's counselor. When we get into those rough spots, we, we go to a third party, we air our grievances, we write rules, we sign them literally, and we hopefully obey, obey what we signed just because, you know, it can get rough. You're going to spend yeah. more time with this person than you probably will your actual lover or partner. Yeah. And so it's it's key that you are mostly on the same page as much as possible. That is so smart. I absolutely love that you go to a third party, uh, a therapist, a counselor, and work out those issues with the objective point of view. Yeah. I think it's key for anyone going into business with someone they want to remain somewhat close to. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it's most of the people you're working with. So just still thinking about your, your career before we talk about the book, did you have any really big pinch me moments, especially in those beginning years and stages? I think that the pinch me moments came about, you know, this was also the beginning of the rise of like celebrities in weeklies wearing bags. And we just had a slew of the hottest, newest, best girls those were pinch me moments. You know, I I have a picture of the bags in the first store that's sadly no longer around, but it was like an iconic New York city chain, like Searle, it was called. Um, and I'm standing in front of the window, like, ah, that's my bag. So I think, you know, those pinch me moments when we opened our first store, that was a pinch me moment. Um, there's been a lot, which has been nice. And now you have stores all over the world. I mean, you are a worldwide brand. Everyone, every country, they know your name. And you are chief creative officer. You're running this with your brother. But you also have a family. You're married, three kids. How do you manage all of it? Well, first and foremost, team. You know, I would definitely not be here if it weren't for the 25 other incredible 90% women who run my company. And I also think that over the years, and I talk about this in the book, you know, each baby, I had to figure out what my new boundaries were. And not that that's like, oh, I figured out my boundary and now it's automatically in place. How I worked to create that boundary, you know, Mm -hmm. how I tested what I was personally comfortable with, what I had to do to build that world. So it's not just a matter of like, well, she owns her own company. Of course she can do that. No. In fact, I'm, I'm more tied to my company because at the end of the day, if something goes wrong, it's on me. Mm-hmm. And so I had to get into a place where I could say, okay, I'm comfortable. I'm going to try not checking email for a weekend. What happens, you know, mm. or I'm going to go out of town for 10 days without my kid. Do I feel comfortable with that or not? Nope. Don't like that. Kids coming with me with the nanny. I'll get no sleep. It'll be a harder trip, but I'm with my baby. So I really played with what worked for me and what didn't and what I had to build to make it more comfortable. And then the other thing I would say, which I think the pandemic has highlighted, but I also think women have taken um, an interesting shift is, you know, I have a partner that signed up for, we're both 100% in. There's no job that's mine versus his. Mm -hmm. And I've heard so many women, you know, talk about the unfair share of workload they've done during the pandemic. And my, you know, I make this 
I, you know, I try to, to lighten it, but like, if your partner watched a baby come out of you, you can ask them to do anything. If they're still with you after that horror story, you know, <laughs> yes. you, then you need to sit down and say, okay, this is where I need you to be. And so if he does the dishes, I make dinner or he makes the lunches, I put the kids to bed, you know? And yeah. so I think we've had honest conversations about the give and take, and we need to have those honest conversations. Otherwise we can't do it all. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's such a great reminder that no matter what you see on the screen or the magazine pages or or the TV, I mean, there there is a great team that is helping anyone become successful, especially a working mom as she tries to manage every aspect of her life, which we know is just can be kind of crazy. So I love those tips um, and those thoughts. All right, let's talk about this book. You, I mean, it is just like a wealth of information and knowledge. You have 21 different rules in here. And we'll talk about some of your favorites, but what sparked the idea for this book? I think what sparked it is a friend of mine who was a writer saying, you should write a book. And I was like, (laughs) a lot of people tell me that, Nicole, thank you. But I don't want to do a coffee table book. Yeah. And she said, no, 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 you have business experience. You can actually help a lot of people, whether they want to have their own company or not. Um, And so that was sort of the impetus. And then obviously um, I'm not ready to retire and write my biography. So I really wanted to make it about business focused rules. So distilling down, you know, the stories that I wanted to tell through the rules I thought were important in business. Yeah. And I loved all of them. I was going through the book and just thinking, oh yeah, this one, this one. And I kept reading and I, I felt like I wouldn't take any of them out. You need all of them. And the first one, which I think is so important and for some reason, so hard for us as women, especially to do you say, sign your own permission slip. Tell me a little bit about that. How many times have you or your listeners said to someone looking for approval, what do you think about this? Do you think I should do this? And it's almost like if that person says that's a great idea or you should ask your boss, oh yes, I think you should definitely do that. Then you're like, okay, okay, I could do it. I could do it. <laughs> and and I think we're trained from a young age, right? I have kids. They have to ask permission for a lot of things. I, mm-hmm. I Yesterday, my son, without my permission, was like, he bought a $75 soccer jersey or football jersey. I was like, you have to ask me for permission. He's like, it's my money. I was like, no, no, no. We're keeping that money for you. You earned it, but you cannot spend it on dumb shit like a football jersey. So you know, I'm doing it to my kids. And then we get older and we still need that permission. Like somehow we need that idea validated by people who have nothing to do with business or our best friends or whatever to go ahead and do something. And so I really wanted to give women the onus of you give yourself that permission. Mm -hmm. You don't need it from anyone else. It doesn't matter who, you know, there's people that'll tell you if it's a good idea or you're on the right track, but that approval is just you. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's so important. And I think it's the great, greatest first chapter, because let's get over that hurdle of giving ourselves permission to do things that whether we're passionate about it, or it's just a hobby and we want to try it, just do it, get out of your own way and just do it. Um, Another one that stood out to me is love it and leave it. Be okay with walking away. Give me an example of what you're talking about here. And that was chapter six. Or rule six. Yeah, I think there's this idea around failure. Either if something isn't working, you people say, keep going, never give up. And then it's not working and you like go into a grave trying hard mm-hmm. or you don't want to give up because you don't want to be seen as a failure. You know, we've had categories that we've launched didn't work, you know, wasn't the right timing. 
We had to get rid of clothing early on because, you know, the bags took all the focus and it was an easier thing to grow. Um, we had a higher end, more expensive price bag line. Didn't work. Had to let it go. Mm-hmm. We had some stores in bad locations. Didn't work. Had to go. And so I think, you know, if you can fail fast, get back on your feet, figure out what you did wrong and retrench. If it, if you're cutting back branches, and this is a dumb example, but if you're cutting back branches to let the tree grow healthier, that doesn't mean you're a failure. You're just acting smarter. And so I think that it, you know, you don't have, you know, you don't have to attach this label to it that makes it, you feel like either you failed or you die trying. Yeah. I love that. I love the analogy to pruning trees to help them grow and being able to say, okay, got to move on from that one. What did we learn? Let's try it this way a little bit different. Another one I really like, and I think it's because it hits home with me is skip the shortcuts. Tell me a little bit about that one. Yeah. We all want a shortcut. (laughs) The entire world is looking for a shortcut right now. And the, the bad news is that in business, you are not going to find it. Um, I think that when people do that and I, and I tell some horror stories in this chapter, um, it always goes bad. And I think rather than look for the shortcuts, look for when you have wind in your sails and take that momentum Mm. you know, you can get a good lead or, you know, a good endorsement or, you know, someone wants to help you and that gives you push right? But yeah. it doesn't shortcut the the path you're on anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Another one, be there for it. Make yourself available. What do you mean by this exactly? I think that this is a give and take world and there's going to be a ton of people that can help you. And you might be again, listening and you're just starting out and you're saying, I don't know who could help me or sorry, I don't know who I could help. You can help a lot of people. Doesn't matter if you're just starting out, you know something about something. And so I think setting up your framework of, you know, the more people that help you, who else can you be of service to? Mm. I think is just a great way to operate, especially in the field of women um, in business. And I think um, you don't do it to get something you know, you helping another woman's not going to necessarily get you more successful. But I think when you open up your world that it, it is a give and take, it is a support system. You're just going to be a lot happier. Yeah. I love that. That's, I feel like one of kind of a, a main theme in your book, because you have several rules around the idea of collaborating, working together, partnerships, you know, making your safe self available. Um, what has that idea done in your own business life and relationships and growth and success? I feel, I feel that again, um, people can get so focused on themselves, their business, their work, maybe their partners and their social life. And then that's it. But I think if you go, if you have like a, a Venn diagram of circles of what's part of your world, there's a bigger world out there. There's humanity, there's other people that you're never going to meet that you're going to affect. And the bigger you are willing to be responsible, I think the happier you will be. And when you can look outside of your own problems, which can seem big and sort of have a bigger view of things. If I'm ever having a bad day (laughs) and I'm like, oh, 
you know, I, I can just go take a walk and see, you know, bigger problems that exist or turn on the news and see what's happening and go, okay, there's much bigger problems. I can tackle this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love that perspective. There's kind of a big trend of this, like self-care, take care of yourself. And we hear it a lot on social media. You have one rule that says work can be self-care too. What do you mean by that? Because I think we think self-care, I've got to go for a walk in peace. I need to go get a massage. I need to go meditate. Um, but I'm curious what you mean by that. Go beyond the burnout. Work can be self-care too. Yeah, I think there, again, there's a zeitgeist that a scented candle is going to cure your stress. Right. And we look for the scented candle and the facial and the massage, which I'm not saying don't get, but they're not going to be your cures, right? Yeah. Um, you're still going to wake up on Monday with that dread if you're in a stressful situation. So I talk about self-reflection. You know, is it is there a toxic person in your environment? What are the things that you're going to have to do to fix that? Is it a toxic work environment, period? Have you lost your passion for what you've done, which it can happen. No one wants to admit it. I've lost my passion for what I do. Many of times I get, I get it back, but it doesn't just come back again because I got a massage. Yeah. You know, it had to take me going, why don't I like what I do right now? What is happening that I feel this way? Mm -hmm. And once I find the source, you know, make, make a plan. I'm the audience can't see it, but like my little to-do lists, you know, Oh yeah, me too. You know, like <laughs> I have them written on post-it notes everywhere. I'm just like, okay, this is my action plan to solve and tackle this. And so I mm. think that when you get to the root of what that is, then you can be passionate. And then work is a form of making you feel good. It boosts your morale. You're happier when you're getting things done. And I think if people looked at that versus like, how can I work the littlest bit? Cause I hate what I do mm. complain about it at all turns with my friends. You'll never be happy. Yeah. Because unfortunately, unless there's another currency source that you're getting, you have to work. You might as well love it. Yeah. I love that perspective so much, Rebecca. Do you have a favorite rule? One that just kind of stands out to you from the book? I think chapter 21, it's endless. Yeah. Um, you know, I wrote that chapter truly reflecting on 70% of my business evaporating during the pandemic, me and the team working like dogs to keep our business afloat and literally, uh, you know, off the edges of going out of business. And I think that, you know, if anyone's like, do these rules really work? <laughs> well, yes, I had to try them out again, 16 years later to yeah. ensure we stayed alive. And so as my business was falling apart due to COVID, uh, applying a lot of these rules is what saved it. And wow. so to me, it was like, all right, I, I did them once, I did them again. Uh, they work. They they've been they've been they can get the official check mark. Yeah, going through them twice. That's that's huge. And I'm sorry you had to. Are you seeing things um, kind of turn around again now? Yes, things are turning around. We have some new hurdles, um, but the the issues we had are mostly gone. Now we're getting um, some supply chain excitement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of our factories just now are part of the second wave. And so, you know, we're going to be late on shipping a lot of goods, which is no fun, especially for the fourth quarter, but we're trying to work through it. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope people are understanding still just the waves of this pandemic. It's just affected everyone in all the biggest ways and the littlest ways too. Yes. Yes. All right. I know you have so much to do in a day. I'm going to just end with one more question. And I'm curious, what are your three fashion rules that you live by, stand by, and that you tell women to live by? Always have an incredible leather jacket 
Mm. At your disposal or two. I have a cropped one for when I'm wearing like a very loose, flowy dress, and I have an oversized look if I want to pair it with skinny jeans or something more tailored. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't go wrong with a crossbody, especially a Rebecca Minkoff. Especially. Uh, and then the last one would be I always like to buy something that makes me just a little bit out of my comfort zone, not from mm-hmm. a true, like, doesn't hurt. I can still walk. Or I can zip it up, but like, uh, can I pull that off? I don't know. Um, every time I buy something that I'm like, Ooh, should I do it? I get the most compliments. Okay. I love it. You're amazing. I am so excited for our listeners to get your book. It's on Amazon. You can find it everywhere. It's fearless. The new rules for unlocking creativity, courage, and success by Rebecca Minkoff. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Thank you for having me. Thanks, friends, for tuning in today. For show notes and other episodes of Courtney Beyond the Cake, head to cakebycourtney.com forward slash podcast. And for all things cake, remember, you can find me over on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Cake by Courtney. And for all my recipes, products, information about my online classes, just head to cakebycourtney.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.